Welcome to the Crafty Ass Female Podcast, an audio show that talks about the resourceful ways we women are living our lives and the crafty projects we create in between. We are your hosts, Amanda Zampelli and Kristen Tweedale, and we believe you are a capable badass who already has all the tools you need to make beautiful things and make beautiful things happen. We're just here to remind you. Hi, Amanda. Hi, Kristen. Hi, Megan. Hi, Kristen. How are you guys today? So good. Today on the show, we have Megan Dowd, aka Megan Has Good Words. I love her. And Megan is a mentor to creative humans, ready to be loud and candid about what matters most. I love that. Thank you. I wrote it myself. (laughs) (laughs) And that's what I love, is that you help women tell, like, that thing that's, like, that tiny little spark that's, like, in the middle and you help it grow and grow and grow and grow yes. and like say the right words. Exactly. So I'm so happy that you're here because I have like a literally a hundred thousand things that I want to talk to you about. Yes. Can you give us a little blurb of like the has good words part? Kristen uh, just kind of commented, but I kind of like that you tied that in. Like where that came from? Yeah. Like what's the intention behind the has good words? Well, it initially started as a joke. <laughs> with who uh honestly i was my father is one of the most creative people i know and so i was chatting with him about like i need a business name and so we were going over stuff and he was like what about just megan have good words because you do have good words and i was like done yeah because like your name isn't the most important thing of your business so i was like great placeholder done and then it was one of the only things that i could get a domain a a uh all the social handles plus it pretty (laughs) i mean it's a little tongue-in-cheek but it's kristen's worked with me one-on-one i think it's pretty indicative of what it's like to actually work with me with the business that i run of like we're gonna we're gonna get nitty-gritty with all the words and i really love digging into not just language and what we understand language to be as a culture as a whole but also how we intuit language and how we understand it on a personal colloquial level exactly i love that explanation and it's like writing and speaking and all the things you do yeah it's everything to do with words and how they and the necessity they have i love it i just wanted to hear you say it (laughs) that's what i thought (laughs) okay so the first thing i want to talk about is on your instagram story you had pictures of this new apartment that you're staying in (laughs) oh no i know where this is going And you showed off this tiny kitchen, and I was like, okay, it's a tiny kitchen. It's, you know, some apartments have tiny kitchens. That's okay. And then the next slide was the biggest shower I've ever seen. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it had three shower heads. There are four. Oh, no. (laughs) There are two on opposite walls, one in the ceiling, and then there's a handheld. I showed it to Jeff, and he was like, did they, like, slaughter animals in there? (laughs) It's not necessarily an an entirely legal apartment, I'm sure. Uh, (laughs) And it used to be one huge bathroom, as I understand it from the landlord. 
And when her daughter moved into the basement but wanted it to be her own apartment and not just something where she went upstairs and back down, she wanted to put in a mini kitchen. So they took out one of the sinks and put in a kitchen. I honestly can't imagine that entire space as a bathroom because that's about the size of my first studio apartment, full stop. <laughs> that's, wow. Mm-hmm. It, that's really, the, I mean, it's really one of the wild, like people do strange thing to houses. When you go and like you look at houses, like if you ever, if you ever have nothing to do on like a weekend and you're ever in like a weird place, go to open houses. Yes. It's a crazy thing to do, but like people, and then like people do weird things to houses, like especially go to like houses that have been around for like 50 or 60 or 70 or a hundred years. And like people do like really crazy <laughs> things. And like, that's one of the craziest things I've ever seen anyone do to a house. And it was only two pictures. <laughs> Uh, this is one. Welcome home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the power of storytelling. Two, whenever, and this is pretty consistent with the many adventures of the Husbarito and, and I, uh, it's gonna make for a really good story. Am I thrilled about cooking in that kitchen? No. Have we tried to cook in that kitchen? Yes. Did it go well? No. <laughs> Did the potatoes ever boil? No. <laughs> Did they eventually get soft enough in the hot-ish water that was on the stove that we <laughs> to be edible? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but ultimately, like, it's going to be a great story. Not thrilled, but it's going to be a great story. So I'm going to live it up, and I am going to try to cook things. Spaghetti actually turned out pretty well. Granted, I had to alter the cooking time because, again, nothing boils. <laughs> you know, it's all part of being an adult. Oh, yeah. One of the things that you do that I think is really cool, and I'd love to know how it's changed or whether it stayed the same since you've gone out to to Portland in your new dwelling, quote unquote, (laughs) is your morning pages routine. You have a really interesting morning pages routine. So can you tell us a little bit about it and how you started doing it and whether you've been keeping up with it? Absolutely. Uh, I whip it up. Ta-da! Uh, <laughs> so I use my morning pages are a little bit different. I started them when I was I have clinical depression, um, and I'm very open open oh open about that. <laughs> and sometimes I can speak too. Uh, and I started doing these types of morning pages when I was in a really really severe low in my depression, which happens, but. I had always understood when I was a kid, like depression means that you can't get out of bed. So for me, my depression never manifests itself as like, I can't get out of bed. Cause if you get out of bed, that means you're not depressed. Mm-hmm. Right? Totally. So I could get from out of what bed. you understood. Right. And from yeah. what you've been told about it. Right. Yeah. So I could get out of bed and then I'd be like, and now nothing. So I started it actually as a way to be like, bring it to my therapist and be like, look how good I'm doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, and it was a it it was a, essentially a workflow for the morning. Um, I have a lot of sleep issues, so the first thing in this little workflow is how did you sleep? Checking in on that so that I can actively track that, and then reminders to myself of like get dressed. Do you want to? How do you want to feel today? Like is today a day where put like putting on something and a real bra is going to feel really good, or do you need to be in your sweats today? 
Um, and that flow is really all about reminding myself that I have those choices in the morning and reminding myself to do those things so that I never feel like oh, I have to put on some, like I have to put on real clothes. I don't want to today. Some days like I got to put, I push it and it feels so good. And some days it's like, no, sweatpants are the thing. That's really interesting. That's something that I've been thinking about a lot lately. Um, because I know for some people who work at home, getting dressed, putting on makeup, and like looking like they worked at an office mm -hmm. is part of their routine. And for me, that is not. Mm -hmm. And like sometimes I feel a little bit, I don't want to say guilty about that, but I feel a little bit othered. Mm -hmm. other that if you know it's working for some people why won't it work for you or why doesn't that work for you no not necessarily why doesn't it work for me or why do it, it just makes me feel a little bit like i'm not a good enough entrepreneur <sighs> oh that are we gonna touch that pandora's box <laughs> well there's so it's many the things there, yeah. that make you can that, that make you feel less than mm-hmm Especially when you're comparing yourself to people online, especially when you're comparing yourself to, you know, you know, there's women business entrepreneurs, there's online business entrepreneurs, there's entrepreneurs in general. Mm -hmm. And when, you know, you literally can't compare yourself to all of them because none of those, you know, there's so little overlap in all of those things. And then you yourself and your own separate experiences that if you spend all of your time trying to compare yourself to all of those things, you're never going to get anywhere. But like that specifically, the clothes, mm -hmm. because as someone with a chronic illness and then also overlapping like mental health issues dealing with that, being in like jeans or, you know, a dress and quote unquote, you know, business clothes, mm -hmm is not awesome for me because if I get a headache and then have to lay down, what am I going to do? Like get undressed so that I can get redressed and then like waste 30 minutes of my day. Yeah, that no, makes sense. I laugh because I understand that so yeah. intimately. <laughs> and so like, right. I love the fact that you're like, what should I do today? How am I feeling today? Let me check in with myself this morning. Because mm -hmm. it might be different and it's okay to change it up. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I think it's really like, let's just take a moment to talk about dressing for your day. I think it's so like on some days I do really like getting dressed as if I'm going to the office when I'm just going to sit in front of my desk because those are the, and when I decide to do that, those are the days where I'm like, this feels like so much fun. This feels right. I mm, I'm feeling myself. It's so good. And then there are also days where it's like, you today's goal is to get through the day. How am I going to get through it with the most comfort? in the baggiest pants that I have to use a twist tie to actually hold them up <laughs> and a t-shirt and maybe a bra or not. Yeah. And I think it's so, especially if you work from home in any capacity, evaluating that for what you need and not just like, well, this is what I'm supposed to do. Or if I get on the gram, I should look like I, who can, I had a moment this morning where I was like, I'm going to be on the podcast with Amanda and Kristen later. I should probably do my makeup and then like do my hair. I did not. <laughs> I love yeah. you both. Yeah. I'm excited to be on video with you. I did not. 
Yeah. I've been thinking about this a lot lately, too, because I feel like I've been getting back into, like, I love, like, I used to call them on my blog, like, style files. I just used to love when, like, one of my favorite little joys of life is, like, getting the right outfit for the weather slash occasion. It's my favorite little thing. And so I've been getting back into it, but I realized, like, I went through a whole season of life, like, a whole year that that was not part of it. That that just, like, it was, you know, like, it's been mm-hmm. seasons. Like, we kind of talk about that with, like, the plant episode, Kristen, of, like, seasons of, like, dormancy or whatever. I just realized it's been coming back a little bit. And I love it now, but I didn't then. <laughs> like, you know. And it's serving you now. It's something that yeah. you enjoy now. Yeah. Yeah. And back to your morning pages, I Sorry. like I love. No, that's okay. Just because it's, it's been yeah. living here, but we've been going on tangents. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I I love us talking about them. But I read your blog post. Like I'm gonna, of course, link to your blog post on it. But like, so you use get to work books, mm-hmm. um, like Pad. Yeah. So yeah. I I love that, and then it's already kind of broken down into sections. And you, I love your blog post because you explain what each section's for, and like they kind of all look like a uniform unit. But they're separate. So I love it. I'm going to definitely link to that. And do you feel like they've facilitated a difference in like... Oh, 100%. I, one of the things that I found with, again, within my own mental health ebbs and flows is that I always tend to have a certain amount of clarity in the evening. And the mornings are super hard and fuzzy for me. So if I write these the night before and just put them on my bedside, boom, I ha- like I'm ready to go in the morning no matter how foggy I am. Um, which is really helpful. And I've also, I, again, it's a mental health thing that I work really hard on, but I do work really hard. Some mornings I look at what I've written out and I'm like, that's it's not going to happen. So offering yeah. myself the grace to be able to look at it and go, okay, what do we need? What do we need to rearrange for where we are with today's mental situation, with today's physical situation? Um, yeah. But they really, I, when I, when I'm in a, in a really fuzzy place and I don't use them, I find those days to be the hardest. And sometimes it is even myself reminding myself like, oh yeah, I, I even made a thing for, for this. And it's still hard for me to remember to use it. Yeah. And like, that's what it is. Like, not only do they help you function in a, in a state when you're more foggy, like you, you crafted it. And there's like a little bit of an endorphin in that. Like the fact that you have something that you crafted. And I feel like, (laughs) when you're like in a low point, it's hard to like make a pretty page or like memory keep, but like making a list, you could still craft. And I love that, like how you have like a formula for the list. So you put your washi and you put like your little um, highlighter. Mm -hmm. So it's still a crafted, created, made thing, Mm -hmm. which in and of itself feels like you're. It's the tightest, like, even if there's nothing else I can do, I made this look pretty. Go make Yes. Yeah. So even if you're not functionally checking off the things, you can look at it in the morning and be like, that's cute. Like, exactly. feel a little bit of that. Yeah. yeah. And I actually, I've kept every single one that I've made, which is multiple get to workbook pads worth. And they're yeah. all in a manila folder because it's its own weird scrapbook of my mental journey. I love that. So true. I think that's a really great point is that no matter how 
no matter what you're doing, you're always documenting your life in some way. Mm-hmm. Whether you're making lists, mm-hmm. whether you're making your morning pages every day, mm-hmm. whether you're putting things on Instagram, whether you're just writing little post-its, that's documenting your life. Mm-hmm. And if you put them all in a manila folder, then that's, that's a scrapbook. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and just having all those things accumulated that you can look back on is just it's so cool thanks (laughs) thank you gosh (laughs) (laughs) no it's fun it's a lot of fun it it is really and it's really fun to go back through them um part of the thing that i include in every morning page up at the very top and underneath my washi are affirmations for the day and it's really it's a fun way for me to look back at like oh what were the things that I was feeling, that I was affirming, that I was reminding myself, uh, and and also see that arc in relation to my mental arc. Yeah. So I'd love to hear a little bit more of your backstory on how you decided to work with other women and a little bit more on how you arrived at your idea of conscious narrative. Yes. Well, for one, deciding to work with women and non-binary humans, I think that women and non-binary humans are generally underserved with how we are taught to use language and especially how we, how the language of the self develops. Um, So I want to focus on that. I, for for the most part, like dudes get a lot of language and a lot of languages male centric. So let's, let's figure out how to, how to amp up the uh, women in non-binary language and make that as much of a norm as the sometimes rote male language. Um, And do you mean like just in the topics we talk about or just our voices being heard? All of the above. Mm. Honestly, I think it's a thing. It's a matter of like both the la- the colloquial language is often male centric. Uh, the things that we generally talk about often are related back to men and <laughs> the world at large. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's so that's why I feel so passionately about working with women and non-binary creative humans. Like if you if you're creative and you identify as a woman or as non-binary, queer, however you feel best talking about yourself, I want to work with you because odds are you've been underserved in how you were taught to use language in relation to yourself. Well, you're not going to get an argument from me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm preaching the fire here. Yeah, for sure. But like, this is semi new to me slash. I mean, this whole show, I always tell Kristen, I'm like, I need it more than the listeners need it. You know, I represent that part of the population that's like, tell me more about this. And Kristen's like, I know all about this, you know. But um, so conscious narrative refers to like making someone conscious about who they are and being able to use good words for that. It doesn't even necessarily have to be good words. Conscious narrative is a concept I've developed about taking agency over the story that your life writes. Because, I mean, I see everything as a story and I think a lot of us do. It is one of the oldest methods of communication and of memory keeping is the story. I mean, there's an incredibly strong oral tradition that we won't get into (laughs) because that's not this podcast. But um, 
telling stories is how we understand ourselves and other humans. And a conscious narrative is for, as I've developed and understand it is saying, I'm going to take some agency. I'm going to take the power of understanding that my life tells a story and just be conscious about it. Now this, I mean, if you want to make it really grandiose, go for it. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Whatever. But it is a small, for instance, I want to, it also relates into core values because I love values. Mm -hmm. Talk about values all the time. For instance, one of my core values is aesthetic. I love the way I love specifically choosing how things sound, how things look, the the feel and impression of a space in so many ways. And so I'm not eating these on microphone, but I have like my snack is laid out like this in this bowl for a reason. Cause it makes me really happy to have my peppers and my olives and my twisted <laughs> chips and it's got this nice little white bowl and it looks so good. Yeah. And that to me is part of my conscious narrative. I fixed myself a snack that I'm really like, I'm excited to eat and I really like the way it looks and it just, and it feels good. That's to me, that's an example of, of taking, of taking a role in my narrative of being conscious of the narrative that my day is writing. I love it. So then your service will help people be able to step into that, hence lead a better life. Not necessarily use it for their business or like for memory keeping. So I, I, I understand. So that's really helpful. <laughs> it truly, it is a, like, it can be applied to your business. It can right. be applied to memory keeping. It can be applied to scrapbooking, yeah. but ultimately it's about humaning the best you can human. I love that. That's a weird little tagline. <laughs> human the best you can human. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. It's true. Kristen, we just did that survival episode a few weeks ago. And that's what we said. We're like, at the core of everything we do, like, we're just trying to say, like, it's really hard to be human. How are you doing it? Like, it's like when you shave every, all the other messages. Yeah. And sharing how we human is so mm -hmm. important. And I think one, like, one of the greatest things that you can do as a human is share how you human right. with other humans. Through yeah. a conscious narrative. And just be conscious about like how you're humaning. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I think helping people be more self-aware is one of the best things that you could possibly do. Because when you are more self-aware, I don't want to say only good things can happen because that's not true. No. I mean, you know, there's good and bad things with everything, but self-awareness brings... <laughs> it brings a deeper meaning to everything that we do. Mm -hmm. And I think there's so many of us, like if you're listening to this podcast, you are a person that is in search of a deeper meaning in a lot of the things that you do. Mm -hmm. And you got to give credit to the listeners slash the audience slash the people that call you for their service or hit you up for, the, for your service because they're already self-aware that they need self-awareness help. You know what I mean? Like it's that yeah. first, like you're just getting it. It's knowing what you don't know. Yeah, right. I think you also do a really good job of integrating... How do I want to put this? I think you do a really good job of saying, hey, you should be a feminist. Here's what you should know. Even if you don't know this, it's okay. But here's where you should start now. You do this with things like spicy soap, spicy soap box. I love my spicy soap box. 
I do too. It's <laughs> Tell really me about awesome. that. The spicy soapbox all started with a rant. I went, I took to Instagram stories about the word femme and how it is often misused within female entrepreneurial spaces. It irritates me when folks just use it as a synonym for women when within the English language, it's not. It is a, it is a, it is a queer term that we should not be appropriating just like, oh my God, it's the French word for woman. That's so cute. I'm going to call my, my business the Femme Societe. Mm. Unless you're French. And even if you are, but you're working in a primarily <laughs> English-speaking space. And I went on this rant because someone... That wasn't, it wasn't the femme society, but it was somebody else who had used the word femme in their business title and in their Instagram handle. And I just slid into their DMs and was like, Hey, I, I'm curious to know, like, what is your LGBTQIA background? And they were like, Oh my God, we're so open. And I was like, okay, but you're not catering to queer folks. Like just trying to tease it out. Cause I didn't want them to feel attacked. And essentially said like, once I figured out, like it had nothing to do with that. And they were just like, it's really cute. <laughs> And said, like, I would love to help you change your name since this is actually, like, this term is not for you. And they were... Based on the intention they were saying they wanted for their business. Yeah, yeah. You are not, you are not queer yourself, and nor are you catering to a queer base. You're using it because you think it's a fun word. Which, on the one hand, I think is awesome. I love playing with language and the elasticity of language. It's so important to understand that language is always growing and evolving. And the word femme has grown and evolved into a very specific meaning. We can't just drag it back to be something more universal because we like the sound of it. Right. We don't take words away from oppressed communities because we like the way that they sound. No. No. (laughs) And so uh, their response was less than optimal. So I took to Instagram stories and called it my hashtag spicy soapbox, where I kind of went off of like, let's understand the history of this word, shall we? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I've, and I've ha- talked about femme a couple more times. We've talked about the word tribe. We've, and then it kind of evolved. Megan, why don't you tell people a little bit more about the word femme? Okay, so the word femme uh, in the 1950s was used to better describe uh, lesbians. <laughs> it, I mean, we can, in very, I think everyone's heard of like the butch lesbian. And, and then there was the femme lesbian who was more feminine, but not straight or heterosexual. Uh, femme is now generally used within queer communities uh, to indicate something more feminine and is still generally used among those who identify as women, but can also be non-binary. I do not, I'm not the expert on this and the history of the word. So I'm sure if I'm sure that you're, I'm leaving, you're, you're allowed to, yeah, I'm not, leaving not be out a, and not being the end all be all, but that's a very basic overview. Right. In, I want to say growing up, quote unquote, growing up, Yeah. you know, in, in school, it was always, you know, not to have binaries here, mm-hmm. but you had, Butch lesbians and femme lesbians mm-hmm. in our first and second wave feminism mm-hmm. circles. And not, you know, you wouldn't go around creating non LGBT businesses, calling them the Butch Cupcake Society. People would be all over you. 
Unless you but, are a butch lesbian who identifies right, as such, exactly. owns that title, and wants to own a cupcake company. <laughs> Correct. And so it's, I think, to be, to, to tease this out a little bit more, mm-hmm. I think we have allowed this to happen. We've allowed the co-opting of the word femme to happen because it is a female word. It is effeminate. And women, effeminate women, are seen as, you know, supposed to be quiet and not, you know, push things. And they're supposed to not, you know, step up and say, you know, excuse me, you're messing up our word. This is our word. Please don't touch our word. And instead be more accommodating and allow everyone to come to the table. Because that's what, you know, women in American society have been expected to do over the last 50 years and further more. Mm-hmm. And that's the qualities of femininity in America. Demure, accommodating. Exactly. And so <laughs> those qualities are being also pushed down on this word mm-hmm. so much that it's so much harder to push back. Hmm. Mm, that's an incredible point, Kristen. I hadn't, yeah. it, it's one of those things that like I knew in my gut, but I hadn't quite articulated so well. Thank you. This is what happens when you pay tens of thousands of dollars for a women's and gender studies degree. <laughs> like I'm with you, Amanda, like I need this as much as anyone yeah. listening right yeah. now. Um, yeah, but like this is the, this is why you need intersectional feminism. Oh, yeah. You need intersectional feminism because you can't overlap oppressions and say, well, this person is more oppressed than that person because they have this characteristic and this characteristic and this characteristic. And I love that you incorporate intersectional feminism both externally and internally with your work and your... I want to say both like your personal brand and just your personal self. Thanks. Uh, always working. On, I mean, this is, I also grew up where like I was taught, you will always be a lifelong learner. There will never be a point when you know the things. Uh, and especially with where, like culturally where we are right now, I think that's, thanks mom and dad. That's really serving me because I am becoming so aware of I grew up knowing like the term privilege and that I was a privileged person as a white middle-class-ish human. And I'm learning more and more like privileges I didn't even necessarily understand. Like, oh, yep, there it is. Time to check it. Megan, have you ever worked with someone that tried to be like, that wanted to be more aware of their like conscious narrative, but was like a very unconscious person, if you know what I mean? Like a big challenge to get to like a conscious space. Like what do you do in that situation? I have a very rigorous application. Yeah, I was gonna say like and I will screen be, them first. Yeah, a little bit. Like and I will be very honest if I don't think folks are ready to work with me. Right. Um and and, and I learned it the hard way. Uh, one of my first clients I worked with, I did not, I didn't realize because I hadn't, I was still developing my questionnaire. Right. Um, long story short, did not believe in therapy. Oh. 
and that you can heal sexual trauma on your own. Um, and through the use of like, what are the eggs that you stick, stick up your vagina? They're called like yoni eggs or something like that. Okay. That like, I, that was the way to I, heal sexual I know, trauma. Yeah, that's, and I was like, I cool. have so many, okay, time for a questionnaire. And then, <laughs> I mean, my questionnaire does not have specific questions of like, do you believe in therapy? But it was through that experience that I learned like, oh, okay, there are some things that I fundamentally disagree with and we view the world so differently that the ways that I'm going to ask, like the way that the ways that I will push you to be more conscious about yourself and how you talk about yourself might come in conflict with that. And I'm also very clear to also to be clear that I draw a very hard therapy line. Working with me is not therapy, which is also part of the questionnaire. Like we're going to, I'm going to vet you. <laughs> and, and I will be very honest if like, Hey, I am so excited to work with you. I would love to work with you. You got some therapy shit first because I'm not touching that. Um, and actually one of, and I speak very freely about it on social and all of my newsletters. And one of my proudest moments was someone actually DMing me on Instagram and saying, I would love to work with you. And I think I just realized that I can't yet because I need to go to therapy because I was first drawn to you to solve these problems that I know you can help me with like in a post therapy, but you're not the first person I need to talk to. And I was like, oh, yes, you're right. How can I like, do you, I'm happy to help you find a therapist in your area. Do you just need someone to hold your hand while you go to psychology today? Got caught like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'm so excited. And like, I can't wait to work with you. And I've checked in with her since and like, it was so gratifying to, to know that even just my talking freely about this stuff and being very clear of like, there's a therapy line that she realized for herself, like, oh, I'm looking to these coaches and these mentors and these courses trying to fix something that they are not equipped to fix. Because let's be like, coach courses are not therapy. It's, right. That's another spicy soapbox for later. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad we're saying it here, though. A lot of our listeners, I think, could like benefit just from that. They're bringing that to the surface. Yeah, courses are not therapy, and and I mean, to a certain extent, I think everyone, I think every everyone should have access to therapy, which is another spicy soapbox. But I'm not necessarily someone who vehemently believes that everyone should be in therapy all the time. I think therapy mm. can be beneficial, but unless you're ready, like. Unless you're ready to meet your therapist and you're ready to be in therapy, you shouldn't be in therapy. That's true. That's so true. If you're not ready to well, if you're not ready to put in the work, then don't waste a therapist's time. Yeah. And if you're not if you know that you're I mean, for instance, right now, I'm not actively in therapy. I when I left Ohio, I had to leave behind my therapist who I loved and had seen for a couple of years. And I made an active decision of like, I did. I saw her weekly for a couple, for multiple years. And like, I have worked my ass off. And finding a new therapist is a lot of work. It's really, it's very much worth it, but it's really hard. And you know what? I'm going to take some time to let all of the good work I did with Emily sink in. I'm going to marinate in it for a little bit. And not wait until things, until shit hits the fan to go back to therapy. Cause I don't think we all need to go to therapy when shit hits the fan. 
Uh, you can go even when shit isn't hitting. I forgot to ask, can I swear on this podcast? Of course you can. Oh, yeah. Okay, great. <laughs> After I'm like halfway through our interview, yeah. like, oh, whoops. <laughs> um, no, we, we prefer it. <laughs> great. Uh, so like shit's not hitting the fan and I'm okay. Like, And therapy just doesn't feel right right now. And also totally. I've gone to enough therapy that I feel like I can say that very confidently and I know that I'm not avoiding something. <laughs> Yeah. Right. And if you are living a not settled down in a single place life, mm-hmm. finding a nomadic therapist <laughs> is not super practical. And especially in the states where you are licensed per state and I'm traveling all like and with insurance, it yeah. Yeah, no. And like when it's more anxiety inducing to find a therapist. Yes. And you know like it can be one thing to, you know, if you need to find a therapist because you've never found one and you're in a place that you need a therapist, that's one thing. Mm-hmm. But, like, if you're in a place and you're bouncing back and forth and, like, you know, you know. Mm-hmm. And if you're a, in a good place on your mental health journey, you're allowed to take a break. Yeah. And I, I haven't w- seen my therapist in five weeks because we missed an appointment and then, like, Jeff changes hours at work, so I needed to switch a day, and it's Awesome Ladies Live, and it's like, I'm good. If something comes up, I'll email her, or I'll call her. That's the relationship we have. Yeah. And I want to be very clear that when I, that that doesn't, my being like, I'm good with therapy right now, and also just being like, I love my morning pages, that doesn't mean I'm not depressed. Right. (laughs) That doesn't mean that I don't have lows. It just means that it's manageable. You have the coping techniques that you need to get you through what you need right now. Yeah, it it, it happens less less frequently, especially now that I've been so verbal about it on all social. But I used to have friends or family be like, so you feeling better now? Right. Yeah. And this is, I mean... Full disclosure, I am on medication and that has changed my fucking life to a point where part of me is like, oh boy, you had a lot of pill shame because if you had dealt with Mm. that pill shame earlier, your life could have been a lot better a lot sooner. Mm. Um, And it's never like the medication makes it better. It's a tool. It's not the thing that like, oh, I'm good now. Yeah. Right. They're a tool. They're not, like, fix it all. No. Right. No. I'm glad you mentioned that, because I've been feeling like that, too. Anxiety is always there, but it's just, I understand it a whole lot better, and I'm well more equipped when it comes up. That's why it's better. It's not that it isn't there. Yes. That's that's such a good point, Amanda. It's it's better because I'm better at dealing with it, not because... Like, oh my God, it's gone. Yeah, right. True. It's hard to be human. Really what it comes down to. It's hard to be human. And we're just all here to human the best we can. That's exactly right. We're all here to human the best that we possibly can. One of the things that I wanted to ask you is, what's your take on actual things that help us self-care and the things that we see as self-care online. 
I have a very love-hate relationship with the term self-care because, for instance, going to the dentist is self-care. It is taking care of yourself. It is self-maintenance and something that, on a side note, if you haven't gone to the dentist in a long time, you really should. I'm preaching to the choir right here because I once didn't go to the dentist for three years. Whoops. You have great teeth, though. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> In part because I hate going to the dentist, so I make damn sure I never have yeah. to go in between. <laughs> Good strategy. But that is self-care, and that is, and that's necessary. Self-care looks self-care looks different for everyone. I somebody I posted about this was a couple of months ago, and I did. I don't know if I ever posted about it on my blog, but I did send an email out about it. Uh, uh, someone had posted like, these are the things that are not self-care. A bubble bath is not self-care. It's an indulgence. Um, and, and then I had my own <laughs> private meltdown uh, because one of the only things that helps my chronic pain is a bath, is a warm Epsom salt bath. And I had my own meltdown of like, oh my God, a bath is an indulgence. I should not be taking a bath. And it was like a good 45 minutes and a back and forth with one of my closest friends. And eventually, God bless her. She was like, Megan, I love you. Take a goddamn fucking bath right now. <laughs> okay, thank you. Okay. <laughs> Self-care has to be defined for yourself. <laughs> and the thing is, sometimes it is the things that look pretty. Although let's be real, my, my baths for chronic pain don't necessarily look pretty. But sometimes I do make them look pretty because I'm in pain and it makes me happy. And it's going to the dentist. And it's uh, all of this to say, I'm going off on a tangent. All of this to say, I truly think that identifying self-care versus indulgences is an individual day-to-day -day thing. Because... For, again, I'm going to use myself as an example. I deal with a lot of disordered eating and it used to be really hard for me to say like eat dessert without counting every, like understanding every calorie, understanding how I was going to work it off or beating myself up for it or like ending up binging or something. So, so like sometimes for me, self-care is like, I'm going to have a goddamn cookie and not give a fuck. I'm not care. Yeah. 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 No, I identify with that. Party! And the thing is, it's because it's not about the cookie. Right. Yeah. I think the things that are most important about everything that you're saying is stop letting other people's nonsense weave its way into your head. Do not let other people's definitions define it for you. And this is something I talk about with core values, too. When I work with clients and, like, we talk chat about like, what are your values? Of course, I'm going to challenge folks on their values and be like, I know you said this, but I actually wonder if it's actually, I don't know. Ultimately, I really don't care what your values are. I care that you understand them for you, that you have a definition of them that makes sense to you. Yeah. It, just because you say that joy is one of your core values and the way that you define it isn't the way I define joy. I don't care. If you can define it, the, what I do care is if you're like, I think it's joy. I, it just means when I'm happy. Okay, we're gonna work on that. <laughs> but if you know what it means and you can define it and you have such a clear concept of it, it's defined for you. That's the important part. Yeah. Yeah, I think the part where you define it for yourself and being able to just continually ask that why, mm -hmm. you know, be that three-year-old. Why? Why? Yeah. Why? 
why? And then, you know, you can never stop asking why. There's always another why. You never should. You know, that's why that three-year-old is so annoying. Because <laughs> that, that question just doesn't ever stop, you know? Yeah. Why is there a Queen of England? Good question. I, this is, it is a good question. <laughs> I didn't actually really mean to ask that one. <laughs> you could go on for a long time with that. Uh, yeah. Um... But be curious about the way you think. Because you can choose. Because everyone else is just choosing for, like, there's no, like, word police. And if it's Merriam-Webster, they have, like, a great Twitter, and they're hilarious. So, like, I don't Twitter anymore since the original election. But sometimes Merriam-Webster's Twitter will get, uh screenshotted and put on instagram for me so i'll i'm pretty sure they just screenshot their twitter for their instagram which is what i follow and it's amazing it, it's so good bless bless the gods of, of merriam webster twitter and instagram <laughs> and on a right, side so... note if you need a hilarious instagram spark notes instagram oh, really? oh my gosh it's all memes in relation to classic literature Oh, I'm going to have to get on that then. It'll be in the show notes. As will Yoni Eggs, by the way, which I looked up after you mentioned them. Oh, man. With pictures and everything? Not those kind of pictures. But no. The egg is not little. <laughs> Go to the show notes. Head on over there. After you check out all of Megan's awesome site. Click stuff. Yeah. So Megan, yeah. please tell us, how have you been growing? Either from when you were a kid, now, what's one piece of advice you can give the audience on growth? It seems trite to say never stop. Uh but it's, it doesn't, though. Lifelong but, learning. But it's true. And I think I I just finished a book on Victorian surgery methods and <laughs> Joseph Lister's work in antiseptic methods. Uh, so what I so what I want to impart on learning is no matter how weird it is, if it interests you, pull that thread, follow that, like go down that rabbit hole. Um, it there is so much fun stuff to learn about that is fun to every individual that I it makes no sense to me when folks force themselves to try to learn something or like I should be learning this or I should be reading this. Asian, yeah. you like reading smutty erotic novels? Read them. Have so much like read is, finish the series. Start writing your own. How just have fun with it. If we don't and it and this comes full circle to conscious narrative if we don't infuse some fun and joy and delight, granted delight is one of my core values, into our everyday, what are we here for? Yeah. I love that. Yeah, I feel like if you're tapped into your conscious narrative, there's no way you couldn't grow. Always. Like, there's no way you could not, there's no way you could stop growing if no. you're constantly tapped into your conscious narrative. Yeah. And, like, Kristen, you're like, speaking of currently coming up um but like your currently card 
And doing that every week is also kind of like this conscious storytelling. And you're only going to, it only like tracks like how you've been growing and new things you've been tapping into. Well, as soon as she started saying it, I was like, oh, conscious narrative. That's like the story that I was telling of all of the stuff that I bought during Amazon. Yes. Yes. And then I started getting my packages and I was like, hmm, this is my story. This is my story. (laughs) This is my story. These rainbow clipboards that like are incredibly sexy. These are my story. Paper products. Mm. It's, it's a, it's a disease. It's a disease. Yeah. So you're ready for currently round? Let's do it. I'm so excited. I feel like you're going to give us like a chock full of like fun and interesting answers, but Mm. we're going to conclude this episode the way we do with all our guest interviews with our currently round Mm -hmm. taken from Kristen's currently card, which our listeners can get at areyoukristen.com slash currently. Nice. We're just going to I have a pad right here. Oh, I love it. She's holding up uh, Kristen's currently pad. Love it. So (laughs) let's do it. You ready? I am. What are you currently watching? Blown away on Netflix, the glass blowing competition show. <laughs> oh, I just saw that pop nice. up. Is it good? It's so delightful. I granted, I really enjoy making fun of the host and some of the guest judges <laughs> because it clearly like who <laughs> I don't you don't even know. But the talent and like the actual craftsmanship of what this show is built on, I could watch it's so relaxing <laughs> in a weird way yeah. and very tense because it's glass, it breaks. Was a lot of fun, and they're only a half hour episode each, so it's like a perfect little lunchtime. Like, oh, escape! And then they get voted off, or like, then there's like a round where like a few are only. Yeah, they every every episode somebody gets eliminated uh, because Project One Way for glass blow, glass yeah. blowing. They give a they give a project brief, and if you don't follow the mm-hmm. brief, or like, and they've got different things they critique on, and yeah. Oh, that sounds so exciting! It's so That's much so fun. fun. It's delightful. I need to bake off level delightful, but it's in that vein where it's not a like people aren't shitty to each other, which is what I really. Are you a huge bake off person? (laughs) Have you ask? um, Have you watched any of the Monty Don gardening show on Netflix? What? Okay, I like really. I binged this one super, super, (laughs) super hard. It's called Small Spaces, Big Dreams. And he goes, he's like, okay, so they're just, I found out about him. And he's like Britain's favorite gardener. And he was like on the BBC for like decades. And so like the women like get really happy to see him. Like the the women of a certain generation are very happy to see him. Um, And he like goes to two houses each week or each, not week. Obviously, I don't know. Each episode. <laughs> and they transform their gardens similar to like an HDTV style, but it's British television, so it's so much better. I have a new thing to binge. Thank you. As if I needed more. <laughs> it's, it's like, it's, it's, deli- it it's literally delightful in the same way that Bake Off is delightful. On it. Love it. I'm so excited. You're going to hear so And much. he's so good about like, I learned so much that like I want to like that I'm literally applying to my garden now and I'm going to apply to my garden like you should plant thyme on the ground because you can step all over it and you can like it'll take you can you can step all over it and then also it will smell good. 
So you're saying this is the show I need to watch before Has Burrito and I move anywhere permanently and set up camp for a while. Yes. Well, absolutely. And then like he's on, he's a, he has like a whole bunch of other shows. I'm like, I'm literally going to make Jeff like download all the episodes of all his other shows so that I can watch them because like I need to watch more British gardening shows. Show notes, right? I Amanda? love that. Yeah, of course. Yes. Of course. Click away. I'm like, that is, makes me so happy because knowing Kristen, like that is so her show. Like, I, I, I went through it so fast. I binged it so hard. Some of these, and, and like, it was really good because some of these people, like their garden budget was literally the smallest. Most of them were between 500 pounds and like 3000 pounds. And like they literally transformed their entire gardens. Wow! I watch. <laughs> and like then there were some like one lady did it on, on 150 pounds, and then there were like two or three that had like insane budgets. But like that's you know that was really not there was only I think there were literally only two or three that had like extravagant budgets. But the most of them were very, very modest. Here for it. Here for it. I was, I was so, I was so into it. Oh my God. I was so into it. Well, we'll have to talk more about that in another show. I was, so, I was so into it. <laughs> uh, Megan, what are you currently reading? Well, I just finished my book. I was in the other room. That's why I'm gesturing. I just finished my, other, my book called The Butchering Art uh, about Victorian <laughs> surgical techniques. And I am now deciding what, uh, to read either The Goldfinch by Donna Tartt or The Far Away Nearby by Re- Rebecca Solnit. Ooh. Oh, those are both good choices. I have The Goldfinch that I haven't read yet, but I need to read before the movie comes out. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see. No one told me it t- takes place at the Met. It takes uh, place at the Met. Hey, Kristen. <laughs> the Goldfinch takes I place know. at the Met. <laughs> It's my favorite place, and now I have to find out. I have to read it. It's going to be good. It's on my shelf. We can have our own little mini book club. Does Crafty Ass Female ever do a book club that has nothing to do with crafting? (laughs) The Goldfinch would not be a Crafty Ass Female (laughs) book club book. Oh, I know. (laughs) It is uh, too much. (laughs) Yeah, but then... But I'm excited to hear your both. Then Baby Drivers and... In the movie. I love Baby Driver. Ansel Elgort. Yes. I did like that movie. After you told me about it, I did see it. And uh, I enjoyed I love it. Baby Driver. It's fun. I love Baby Driver. Uh, he's also going to be... Tony. Tony. Thank you. Maria. Hold up, what? I just met a girl named Maria. Yeah. I was just going to start singing America. Oh. <laughs> Doing a West Side Story remake? Yep. How did you not hear about this? Steven Spielberg is directing the West Side Story remake? So, what? What planet have you been on? Ohio. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Without missing a beat. That was funny. Yeah, Steven Spielberg is directing. Ansel Elgort is literally Tony. Uh, What? Rita Moreno is going to be in it. She is playing the, they redid the pharmacy character, the pharmacist character, and she is now the pharmacist. Who? How did I? (laughs) What? Now look it up when we're done. Show notes. Yeah, 2020. (laughs) Show notes. They started filming. 
They found a girl. They found Maria. She literally grew up like 15 minutes from my house. And like everyone is like flipping the F out because she's literally 17 and like they found her. Like she she had a YouTube channel with literally like 700 subscribers. The world is a weird place. I'm excited to live in this world and soon to to watch nothing but gardening shows and learn all about the West Side. The West Side Story remake by Steven Spielberg. What? Anthony Ramos, maybe, also? Really? I could be lying about that. Maybe. Somebody else, though. Yeah, somebody else famous. I can't think of. Oh, yeah, no. It's happening. (sighs) How did I miss this? Wipe the tears. I was waiting, like... I don't know how many other people were waiting for Midsummer to come out for months, but I was like on a countdown clock for Midsummer, which feels like a weird one to be on a countdown for, and yet did not know about this. I also am on a tangent, slight tangent. I'm on a, I haven't decided whether or not that I will go see Little Women on opening night or never, ever, ever, (laughs) ever, ever watch it. Because that's exactly how I feel right now. It's a big it thing. It's a perfect cast. It is literally perfectly cast. And what if they fuck it up? That's what I. That's what I'm. <laughs> it is. It is Greta Gerwig's passion the project. Is very high. And I have faith in her mm-hmm. and the entire perfect cast that she perfectly casted. But I don't know. So that's where I'm at. All of the, the, the things that they put out look perfect. Everything looks amazing. Everything she says looks wonderful. Saoirse Ronan looks wonderful. Emma Watson looks amazing. Meryl Streep. The boy, what's his name? <laughs> Timothy Chalamet as Laurie. I mean, Timothy Chalamet is as Laurie as they come. <laughs> Is the original Lori. <laughs> I I mean, like, we talked the other day on the show about, what is it called, Amanda? A- a- as- I- asophasia? Yeah. So it's the I opposite of- it. So w- it's when you don't see anything at all in your head. You can't visualize things yeah. in your head, period. Mm-hmm. And how this is, the people who have this don't mind bad movie remakes because they've never seen things in their head while reading a book. Yeah. And so all the bad Little Women remakes have never been bad for these people. But like reading Little Women, Laurie, and then seeing Timothy Chalamet, oh, like, okay, that's, yes, OG. <laughs> Full disclosure, I've never read Little Women. You should, movie? you should, you should read it. It's, I, it's like, it's like the OG. For as much as I love books Real book. and movies and pop culture, I have some really weird, huge gaps. Yeah. <laughs> because I was a very sheltered child. I had, to a point where my, where Husbarito now is kind of like, did you have different parents? Who the <laughs> fuck are these people? And I've, I've yeah. agreed. It's kind of like they got done raising my brother and me and they were like, done. Yeah. Done. Peace out, assholes. We did yeah. it. You're alive. You made it. Done. Because they're very different now. <laughs> <laughs> did, you, did you see the Friends episode where Joey talks, reads Little Women? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that's, that's what I kept thinking. And he's like, wait, Lori's a boy? <laughs> Lori's a boy. Yeah. Lori is a boy. It was so confusing funny. the first time I read it, too.
What are you currently listening to in the meantime? Uh, a million and seven podcasts. I love my favorite murder. And uh, and I'm also listening to Bastille's new album because they don't oh, release nice. music often. And they had a new album in June. So it's now my soundtrack for everything. I what like you- all the songs that have been coming up in my Spotify. So good. Bastille in there? Oh yeah, all the Bastille songs that have been coming up in my Spotify. Cool. What are you currently making? I'm building a website for a client, which may or may not count as what I'm making, but I'm having yeah. so much fun with it, and I oh, it's coming together so well, and it just. Mm. Are you Squarespace? I am. I design exclusively yeah. Squarespace so that all yeah. of my clients, uh, and then part of the deal is that I teach my clients like and here's how you're going to update it so that they never right. have to hire me, me or another designer to help them update things like I want to get it looking pretty for you and get it set up for you but then teach you how to continue it on your own so that you don't have to keep paying for it because yeah a lot of folks don't have those funds and frankly like I, if you want to pay me sure but I'd rather have you spend that money elsewhere yeah and Squarespace is great for that yes it's so it's such a wonderful I love love the platform I love Squarespace. Years ago, I was so frustrated with it, but coming back to it, like our Mm -hmm. our podcast website's on there and my personal one, like it just, they fixed a lot of the issues. They've done a lot of really good work with it. Yeah. Yeah, fun. Okay. What are you currently feeling? Hungry. (laughs) I know. You have this plate here. I have my beautiful bowl of crunchy snacks. (laughs) I want to give you permission to eat it in after chatter. All right, let's go. What are you currently planning? (laughs) Uh, my, what fun things to eat in Portland, mm. where we're going to eat next. I mean, cause we, we've lived in the middle of nowhere, Ohio for three years. The takeout options were McDonald's. And you can't boil potatoes on your stove. So you're going to have to go out. We had street tacos, which were delicious. And now we're, I'm not sure what we're going to do tonight or tomorrow or mm, I love food love food mm, me too i can tell you're hungry <laughs> lastly what are you currently loving <coughs> oh no <coughs> me too i got so excited yeah <laughs> italians always say like when there's a cough or a bell or like something it's true yes uh i'm really loving portland right now i'm loving being in in a in a city again is it trite if I say I'm loving myself right now? No, not at all. I'm I'm taking some of the time in Portland and after a really, really difficult few years in Ohio to just give myself a lot of love and a lot of grace. I love that. I love it. I love that answer. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> Absolutely wonderful. Yay. This, this has been fantastic. You're a fantastic. You too. Are. Thank you so much for having me on. This has been so much fun. We covered so much ground in such a short great. amount of time. I can't believe I can't believe it took it this, this long to get you. I'll be back. Yeah, <laughs> anytime. This oh, has been fine. fantastic. Thank you. And in after chatter, I want to talk to you about authenticity. Yes. Oh yes. <laughs> I'm nodding so hard. My reaction. Listeners can't see it. Nodding so hard. 
I am so excited. <laughs> this has been a fantastic episode. And guys, if you want to stick around for After Chatter, we'll be at patreon.com slash craftiestfemale. And you can have access to all of our After Chatter recordings, both audio and video for $5 a month. Support the show. It helps us pay our bills. It helps us get amazing artists like Megan, like Lisa Congdon, like Austin Cleon, like Ali Edwards, like Kathy Zilski, and upcoming artists that we don't even know yet. And we will be back next week with another amazing episode. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for being the best audience on the planet. And we love you so much. Have an amazing weekend. Thank you guys. And we will catch you next week. Bye-bye.